Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Down the Line. This is episode number 80. I'm Brian Hondo alongside Kyle Betts. It is December 30th, just before 10 o'clock on the West Coast. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing great. We are recording our final episode before the end of the year, so squeezing one more in right now and no better way to do it than having yet another great guest to join us here. Yeah, we've got uh, one of our former colleagues from the Daily Aztec. We got Brandon Freed, who also recently just graduated with a master's in sports management from Long Beach State. How's it going, Brandon? It's going good. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a while, so I'm glad to be here. <clears throat> You're also a coordinator for the Special Olympics. How's that going? It's going good. Yeah, I take a lot of a lot of pride you know setting up events and making sure that special olympic athletes get the chance to partake in sports as well so it's, it's been great so far all right we're going to get things going with the fast five we're getting to some nfl here in the first half of our show we're going to switch things up a little bit because um you know brandon's got to get going he's also in our fantasy football championship so we're going to get to that also within our first half in the second half we're going to talk some baseball we're going to give our top five moments from down the line this year as well as we're gonna get into our baseball hall of fame belt so let's kick things off with the fast five and some sad news um yesterday as at pele regarded as by many as the probably the greatest soccer one of the greatest sports athletes of all time he passed away on thursday of yesterday at the age of 82 yeah only guy to have won three world cups and um they always kind of debate about his official goal tally, but uh, the Soccer Statistics Foundation says he scored 778 goals in 846 professional matches. And yeah, he's widely regarded as the best to ever play. And that's up for debate, you know, between him and Diego Maradona and Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. But definitely, I, I think this has been the biggest death that we've seen at least in the world of soccer, maybe in all of sports for a while now. So um, it's a big loss, but his legacy obviously will be felt for a long time. And he was definitely the first to do a lot of different things. And you can kind of see it with the way that some players kind of play now, you know, watching some of his highlights way back when he was a model for these modern day athletes. So it, it's definitely a big deal and um, he'll be missed. Yeah, too. He kind of set the standard for his jersey number when you think about it. You know, being number 10, you know, we think about how much that number has grown um, throughout soccer. You know, we see it now mm -hmm. with players like Lionel Messi wearing number 10. We saw Christian Pulisic just to the World Cup wear number 10, and it goes on and on because um, we think about that importance of that number. And Pele kind of started that kind of tradition. It's kind of like the way we've seen, um, you know, a different numbers get passed down throughout all the sports and through mm -hmm. uh, specific organizations. All right. Number two on this list, we go from soccer to the hardwood. Um, on Tuesday, Dallas Mavericks point guard, Luka Doncic, he had a triple double recording 60 points, 21 rebounds and 10 assists in a 126, 121 overtime home victory against the New York Knicks. Doncic became the first player in nba history to have a 60 20 10 game i was playing basketball when this happened and then it was after a game and i was like looking at my phone i was like no way like, 
he actually did something like that. It's crazy. And then I think last night, which was just, you know, two days later, he dropped 35 and had like 12 assists. Yeah. I, I don't know. He, he is just playing lights out right now. I, I think between him or Tatum, I, I think he is probably the MVP favorite right now. And I, I think that 60, 20, 10 performance helps, but be freed. When you, when you see a stat line like that, I mean, what does that kind of say about Luca and, like, did you think he was going to be able to do something like that? And like, it seems like he's getting better and he's so young. Yeah, I know. It's crazy that he's only like 23, 20. I think he's about 23 years old, 24. So it's actually insane with what he's doing right now. And it's like he throws out triple doubles like it's like it's just another day in the office. Yeah. Like, it's crazy with him right now. But the 60, 21, 10 game. I mean, I, was, I watched the end of it. That was just ridiculous what I was watching him do out there. And they were down by like nine points with like 30 seconds left mm-hmm. it was insane that he was able to make it to overtime and then you know just carry it home himself and you know get the w but what he's been doing all year has just been absolutely crazy but i don't it's he's 23 years old but he can continue to get better which is the scary yeah. part for the rest of the nba and right now he would be my mvp favorite at age mm-hmm. 23 which is crazy for him but yeah he can just continue to get better the Serbians uh, putting out the MVP caliber work. You think about Nikola Jokic as well. We think about what he's done as well this year. A couple of triple doubles on his belt. But we're going to move from the hardwood to the diamond. Um, we're talking about Trevor Bauer's suspension. It was reduced uh, last week from a whopping 324 games to 194 by an arbitrator. Yeah, he has 50 more games under suspension technically, but he can pitch as soon as opening day. He is getting those 50 games as credit for the time he was on leave. So if he were to pitch within the first 50 games, he would not get paid. Uh, That's because he was paid during administrative leave. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Dodgers do. They have a January 6th deadline to put him on the 40-man roster or release him. And I don't really know what's going to happen here. I think there's a couple different factors that weigh into it. You know, is he going to want to pitch uh, and be a part of the rotation in those 50 games and not get paid? Uh, are the Dodgers willing to have him on the roster? Be free. You are a Dodgers fan. What, what do you think they do here? Um, see, I've seen some sources, different opinions, but I think the Dodgers are going to release him. I don't know if the Dodgers mm-hmm. want that type of energy in the clubhouse. I know if I were part of the Dodgers, I don't think I would want that either. Although Trevor Bauer is an amazing pitcher, but we mm-hmm. don't know how good he could be when he comes back. He's missed an entire year. So, um, yeah, I don't think the Dodgers are going to keep him. Trevor Bauer's contract for 2023, he's scheduled to get $32 million. Uh, This is in the final year of his contract. So, uh, options are coming down to an end as we approach that January 6th deadline next week. All right, we move on from baseball to the college football playoff. The national semis kick off tomorrow. We got number two, Michigan, taking on number three, TCU. That game's at 1 p.m. in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl down in Arizona. Brandon, who do you see uh, taking home this first matchup? I like Michigan for the mm-hmm. first game. I definitely like Michigan. I like what they've been doing. I've, and I'm 
I'm also a Michigan fan, so I really nice. like Michigan, and I think this is Jim Harbaugh's year to get get a victory um, for Michigan here. Kyle, who do you got here in the Fiesta Bowl in this first national semi? Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, I, I think Michigan is the better overall team. I'm assuming they're fully healthy by now, and I don't know. It's kind of hard to rule out. Max Duggan, just because it seems like he will carry the load for the Horn Frogs at any moment, like he has all year. But I don't know if they are in a close game. I think it's going to be hard to pull off against a team of such quality when you consider the Wolverines. Just because you I mean TCU, they've been able to win these close games all year long. But again, when you when you think about what both these teams have been through, they haven't really played a game in like three or four weeks, so they're coming into this ice cold. So. Um, I think based off quality, it's going to be Michigan. I think they take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to take Michigan as well. I think for me, trying to pick TCU was, you know, when we saw that Big 12 championship when they lost, you know, was that kind of like a, a tale of like, you know, could that be kind of the end of that run? You know, mm-hmm. obviously it was the end of their undefeated run, but, you know, could that be a spell um, come come tomorrow? All right. Game number two, or the other game of the national semis, you got number four, Ohio State, taking on number one, Georgia, in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Yeah, another really good game here. I think this one has potential to be even better. Uh, Georgia is obviously a team carried by their defense. They have an offense that operates around their quarterback. I mean, they're a little bit slow-paced, and they're going to rely on Stetson Bennett to, you know, make plays, make smart decisions, and not turn the ball over. Ohio State, I, I think they're looking for a little bit of redemption here themselves. They haven't put together the best season, but they still ended up in the playoff. Um, I'll start with off with the predictions here. I will go with, man, I kind of want to say Ohio State, but I think Georgia's going to be able to edge them out. I think they have a little bit too much quality as well, you know, similar to Michigan. That defense is lights out, and... I think it pretty much continues here. I think they're going to be able to get to the quarterback and they got guys flying around all the time. So I'll go with the Bulldogs here. Uh, Brandon, who you got? I think I do have to agree with you. I got the Bulldogs mm. as well. I think that they have the most balanced team in college football, with, Yeah, especially with their defense. But yeah, like you said, the offense is centered around the quarterback and I don't, I just see them taking the victory here for sure. Yeah, we got two great quarterbacks here. You get you mentioned sense embedded for the Bulldogs. You also got um, CJ Stroud on the other side for Ohio State. But I think for me, I'm going to have to lean towards Georgia as well. And the key thing here is this is a Georgia team that won't be getting on a plane to fly over to uh, down to Atlanta. They'll just take a one hour bus drive to from Athens to Atlanta. So I want to take that. Take the Bulldogs, the fans will travel as well. You know, being the top team, being the reigning champs after winning last year's national championship as well. So, I'm going to take the Bulldogs. Um, the two winners, the two semifinal winners, will face off on Monday, January 9th, uh, in the national championship in Los Angeles, uh, at SoFi Stadium. All right. Let's get to number five here on the Fast Five. We're talking quarterbacks, and that trend continues here. We're going to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders and Derek Carr, who's been the starting quarterback since 2014. He was benched 
for the last two games of the regular season. That includes this Sunday against the 49ers and the following week against the Kansas City Chiefs. That was announced by head coach Josh McDaniels this week. As a result, Jared Stidham is scheduled to start the remaining games and uh, has been reported that Carr has stepped away stepped away from the team so he is not a distraction. It's going to be a new era in Las Vegas now. It's definitely odd. I mean, he's been the quarterback there for almost nine years now, and that's pretty mm-hmm. much being taken away from him. And I think this is a big deal because it seems like they are moving on. Both sides will, you know, after the season. Um, McDaniels, you know, his coaching philosophy doesn't seem like it aligns with Derek Carr's playing style. And also it's interesting to consider because Josh Jacobs is a free agent too. So we might see that entire backfield go elsewhere after the season. So this is, this is definitely a big deal. And, um, I don't know what the Raiders are going to look like in the future, but it it could be a whole new team. I mean, be freed. What do you think about this whole situation? Did you expect DC to get benched or, yeah, <laughs> what was your thought behind that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just interested in what's next for Derek Carr for sure because you know I was quite shocked about the news that they're just gonna go with Jared Stidham for the rest of the year. But um, yeah, I'm really curious what he decides to do and what the Raiders organization decides to do from here on out with Derek Carr because, like you said, he has been their guy for the past nine years. So um, yeah, I'm just interested to in see what's next for Derek Carr. But I was surprised, but. I like that he's being supportive about the whole situation because, you know, they're eliminated from playoffs. So, yeah, I'm just curious what's next for him. Yeah, when you think about Derek Carr, it's kind of, I mean, when, you, when you've been with the organization for nine years, it's kind of tough to say that he's not going to be playing the final two games if it is the final two games of his Raiders career. But then you also think about, um, you know, what he's done. He's thrown 14 interceptions, which is now – after last night's Thursday night football game, tied for the most interceptions by a quarterback this year with Dak Prescott, um, mm-hmm. you know, is all the one possession losses, you know, the blown leads as well that go into account. This team, you know, was projected to, you know, people thought the Raiders were going to win 10, 11, 12 games. And, you know, they're sitting at um, six right now. And so just, and on the, cusp of being eliminated uh from the playoff picture all right let's keep going with the nfl now um, we're going to stay in the afc west the denver broncos they fired their head coach nathaniel hackett this past week kyle you're a broncos fan what was your reaction to hearing the news about uh nathaniel hackett i didn't think it was going to happen but it did and definitely happy about it i think yeah, it, there's been a long road leading up to it, but to see him finally go, it's it's a good thing. I think you know, just the whole team struggled, and his his leadership wasn't great. I mean, clock management was a big part of that, and the guy he hired to help him with that kind of took his job, the interim uh, label from him, and, and that's Jerry Rosberg. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does in his final two games, but. I think we all saw this coming, especially when you consider the expectation that wasn't met. But it, it'll it'll be a interesting time too to see who they interview to try and bring in as the next head coach. Hopefully, someone with more experience. And yeah, it was just an underwhelming season. And now he joins Hackett joins Urban Meyer, 
as the only two coaches to be fired before completing their first season. So, so there's that. <laughs> Brandy, when you think about um, this move by the Broncos, what was your first thought? What was your reaction to seeing seeing these this news go down? Yeah, I was like finally like it's finally happened like it was Mm -hmm. it was time it definitely needed to happen i mean oh yeah i had them finishing second this year in the afc west behind the chiefs Mm -hmm. like that's where i thought they would be and they just had a very poor year i I don't know how else to say so bad it's been a really rough year for broncos but um yeah this needed to happen i'm like i don't even know how to react like finally it happened (laughs) (laughs) The Broncos this week, they take on... Who are they facing this week? Broncos take on the Chiefs Chiefs. in Kansas City this week. And then week 18, the Broncos close out their season against the Chargers uh, at home. All right, we're going to stay out west here, uh, but we're going to move to NFC West. Arizona Cardinals defensive end J.J. Watt announced on social media on Tuesday that he will be retiring at the end of the year. Yeah, this is a really big deal here because there are, uh, you know, people who still think he he could have kept playing. And I mean, I I would probably be one of them too. I mean, he's, I think, 34 years old or something like that, but he's still playing at a high level and we've been able to see that week in and week out. But yeah, I think it makes sense for him and his career, you know, his family and good, good on for him for moving on. You know, playing for that Cardinals team, I'm sure, is not an easy thing to do either. And when you consider how they've been struggling this past season and, and even, you know, the year before that, too. But, yeah, a great career for him. He will be regarded as one of the better defensive players of all time. And he has the resume to show it. And, yeah, it's definitely going to be odd not seeing him be in the NFL anymore. We are going to see the Watts kind of live on. I know that, you know, Derek Watt is on the Chargers and... TJ Watts still on the Steelers, but it's not going to be the same without JJ out there. Mm-hmm. Brandon, when you think about um, what JJ Watts done for the game, five five Pro Bowls, five All Pros, um, 2017 Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, what, what, how do you kind of sum up what JJ Watts meant to meant to football? Yeah, I mean, he's just had. You know, the resume you just read off, he's had an amazing career. Like, he's for sure going to be in the, the Hall of Fame, I think, in my opinion. But um, but what else he's done besides football has just been great. Like, he's always involved in the community. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's a great leader on and off the field. And, you know, it's sad to see him go, but best decision for him and best wishes on his retirement for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure... Uh, I think I heard this right. J.J. Watt is the only player in NFL history to have multiple 20-plus sacks um, in a season. Yeah, that's ridiculous. mm -hmm. The Cardinals this week, they take on the Falcons uh, in Atlanta. So a couple of road games to finish off the slate for J.J. Watt and uh, the Cardinals. But let's get to this week 17 slate. We're going to get to... Four games for the top games this week, suppose that have playoff implications. I should say we're going to kick things off a Sunday 10 a.m. game. We got the Panthers going on the road to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Brandon, who you got in this game? Uh, well, Buccaneers they clinched, but I still think that they get the victory here, especially especially at home. So I'm taking Bucks. Mm-hmm. Kyle, who do you got here in this game? 
I don't know. I, I kind of want some chaos here in the <laughs> NFC South. Uh, so I'm going to take the Panthers here. I like their defense. And, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to get in the playoffs because they would have to win out and have some help to do that. But um, I don't know. I, I like I like their team. They brought back Josh Norman. And I don't know how you know how much of a difference maker he'll be. But, you know, it's interesting. It's depth. This guy with experience who was on that Super Bowl roster <laughs> back in – 2016 so i'm gonna take the panthers here why not Mm -hmm. all right i'm gonna take the bucks here um i think the key thing is you know last week we saw the trouble the troubled connection between brady and mike evans i think that comes Mm -hmm. back here um you know even going up against josh norman um (laughs) you know whether it's finding it it's him whether it's godwin um, you just got to get the passing game going, you know, especially if this Bucks team wants to make another deep playoff run, if it's the last, especially if it's the last with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. All right. Game number two that we're getting to, we're going to get the New York Jets going up, going on the road cross country to face the Seattle Seahawks, a couple of seven and eight teams. That game is a Sunday afternoon game at 1.05 p.m. Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Kyle, who do you see winning this one? Yeah, must win for both of them. Uh, I, I don't really know who to pick here. I think this is a pretty evenly matched game. I'm going to go with the Jets. They do get Mike White back this week, and it seems like he's their guy. It seems like, you know, he's the one to, you know, kind of carry the load on offense. They don't really ask him to do too much. They have been throwing the ball downfield a little bit more with him, you know, behind center, and he doesn't really turn it over that much. So, I don't know. Seahawks kind of on the decline. I'll I'll take the Jets here. Hmm. Rainy, who do you got here between the Jets and the Seahawks? Yeah, I think this is probably the biggest game of the weekend, in my opinion. But I'm going to go with Seahawks here. I think Geno Smith needs this. I think he wants this. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to make it happen, especially at home. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Yeah, I think the travel comes into play here. Uh, the Jets do. They did play Thursday night last week. So, they do have that rest coming into this week. But I'm still going to take the Seahawks here. They're right now... They're the number eight spot in the NFC playoff picture, so they're they're a quarter game back. I think of what it is of the Commanders, um, with the Commanders being seven seven and one, and then you look at the Jets; they are the nine spots, uh, just behind the Patriots uh, in the AFC playoff picture. But I'm going to take the Seahawks here. I think that the underrated defense once again steps up for the Seahawks on Sunday. All right, game number three of four that we're getting to, a battle in the NFC North. It's been a rivalry for decades. Another chapter continues on Sunday between the Minnesota Vikings going on the road to Green Bay to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Brandon, I'm going to start with you. Who do you got in this game? I'm going to go with the Packers on this one. I, I like the Packers. I feel like Aaron Rodgers, he always steps up when he needs to the most, and I feel like he's just going to do that again. I don't know how, but certain players are able to make that happen, and he's one of them. So I think I, I'm going to take the Packers on this one. Kai, what do you got here? I don't know what it is with me picking underdogs in like every game these past two weeks, but I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go with the Packers, despite them being at home. I'm assuming the Vikings are favored here, and I really like the defensive matchup, you know, when you consider Green Bay 
facing the Vikings on offense. Jair Alexander against Justin Jefferson is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure that's going to be physical all day long. And I think you said it, Brandon. I mean, Aaron Rodgers needs a win, and I'm never going to bet against him. So mm-hmm. I got the Packers. I think I'm going to agree with you. Playing at home in December, oh, yeah. these Packers know how to win. Um, I'm going to pull this wild stat here now. The Packers have a 56-10 and 10 record in the month of December at home, Ooh. dating all the way back to 1992. Go, so that's some real advantage. It, yeah, it is. Uh huh. Playing at Lambeau in December, you know, with or without Devontae Adams this year, I think the Packers, um, you know, reel this one out, stay alive in the AFC, in the NFC playoff hunt, um, and get a win over the Vikings. Mm-hmm. All right, probably the game. This could be the game of the year. Or at least for sure, might be the game of the week. Now, Brandon said the game of the week is going to be Jets and Seahawks, but this one on Monday Night Football could be another game of the week. You got the Buffalo Bills at 12 and 3 going on the road to Cincy to take on the Bengals, an 11 and 4 team who's been riding the hot hand as of late. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a good one here. I think this is the game we're all looking forward to, and no wonder they put it on Monday Night Football. So, it's going to be tough. I, I think it'll be a close one throughout, but I'll take the home team here in the Bengals. I mean, they've been hot late. I mean, haven't they won like six or seven straight or something like that? Yep. So um, I'll go with the hot hand here. I like their defense, the way they've been playing, and they don't really seem to turn the ball over that often. And I think that's going to be huge, you know, when you consider December football as well. Um I will go with the Bengals here. I think they need this game a little more. They want to compete for that number one seed, obviously, too. So, yeah, I'll take Cincinnati. Be free. Who you got? (laughs) Yeah, I agree with Kyle. I think I'm going to take Cincy as well. I mean, like you said, they're hot right now. and I I think with them being at home and being an important game, I think they're just going to step up even more. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals as well. (laughs) With a Cincinnati win... They could clinch the AFC North title that also combines with a Baltimore loss um, on Monday night, which they'll know for sure from the night before when the uh, Steelers in Ravens square off. But I think I'm going to take Cincinnati here as well. Um, The way Joe Burrow has been just throwing the football around, being able to find his targets, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Mm -hmm. uh, Tyler Boyd, when he's healthy, Joe Mixon, Samaji P. Ryan as well, Hayden Hurst. Um, even though he got hurt over the last couple of weeks, I still think the way Joe Burrow's been able to pass that ball around, it's been it's been deadly. And you see that oh yeah, Cincinnati, they've won seven in a row. We talked about it last week, I'm pretty sure. And longest winning uh second longest winning streak in the NFL, uh longest streak in the AFC. You got the Bills, they've won six in a row. So one mm-hmm. of these winning streaks is going to come to an end. For Buffalo, they can clinch number one seed with a win and a Kansas City loss. So, Buffalo fans are rooting for the Broncos here. <laughs> yeah, All right. that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to fantasy football. Kyle, we want to talk about our consolation matchup or be free championship matchup. That means a lot more than our matchup. Yeah, I mean, we can just kind of go over our consolation. I mean, we played last <laughs> week, but we're playing again, so it 
it mm-hmm. literally means nothing. I don't know why it's yeah, it that way. Um, be free. We we came into the playoffs with a lot of hope, and you know we, we've kind of been going through our teams here. You know, every episode, and then we we both lost first round. We both crashed out, and so it's just like okay, that's that's it. That's that's all we had to give you. But yeah, no, I mean, be free. You had that first round bye. You, you got in just ahead of me, and. Who you are in the championship, man? Like, did you think you were gonna end up there, like with with the team you have? No, I remember when I, I remember when I drafted. I totally forgot we had a draft, and I was like, oh, well, I'm drafting right now. Like that's how it happened. <laughs> I, I was at a friend's house, and you know, we, we had we had fun the night before. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then I drafted, and I was like, well, all right, I guess I'm rolling with this team, and then. I ended up getting Kelsey, who was probably the best pick I could have had all year. And then Saquon yeah. Barkley was definitely my steal, I guess. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's going, it's going well this year. And I like that every year we've done this. I think we've had, like, a different winner every single every single year. And I think mm-hmm. it's probably going to happen again. But, you know, facing Jack this week is going to be a really close one. So, looking forward to it. I was going to say... Mm-hmm. I was gonna say too. I remember at one point you you tried to trade for Mahomes from I me, did. and I, did, I was yeah. just, I was just like I don't want to give up Mahomes, and like I, I was thinking you know I got Deshaun Watson off waivers. I can start him in a couple weeks. I mean, I, I never I never did end up doing that. I mean, it wouldn't have helped either way because he's played terribly, so it doesn't matter. But so it's definitely interesting you know to, to to see your team you know end up in the spot i was you know even without mahomes you know in the position that you're in right now when I think you I'm have starting uh, jared goff this jared goff <laughs> yeah as your starter mm-hmm. let's go <laughs> mm-hmm. brandon early on you lost three of four to start off the year but then turned it on from week five on what kind of were you able to tell kind of what changed within your team as uh, once week five kind of started for the rest of the year? Um, my players started um, being healthy, for one. <laughs> and two, they actually started to play like how they normally should be playing. Yeah. It was a little rough at the beginning, but I didn't know I started, what, one and three then? Is that what you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. So I guess it's worked out in my favor this year. There you year. go, yeah. <laughs> at that point, too... Brandon Free did not have DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who is still suspended at the time until week seven. Um, you know, what's what's you know, what's that been like? You know, we hear during um back in August, you know, during draft time, oh, you could you could draft DeAndre Hopkins and then save him for, you know, when you get to week seven. You know, what has Watch. it been like now, you know, looking back on, on you know, pit, using a draft pick on someone who wasn't going to be used for the first six weeks. Yeah. So in the past, I've always had issues with having two reliable wide receivers. So I took that chance this year because I didn't want to face that issue again. And mm-hmm. I was just hoping that DeAndre Hopkins, when he comes back, he's still the same player, which in my opinion, he has been. And the goal originally oh, yeah. was for the first six games was to just hold down the fort a little bit. And then hopefully when he comes back, he just brings that, you know, his normal fantasy points every week. And he's been doing that except really bad week last week, but mm. uh, hopefully he can bounce back for the finals here. Just to give you an idea of where DeAndre Hopkins was drafted in our draft, 10th round. 
<laughs> yeah, that's why. I mean, that's even though he was out six games, I, I still think that's a that's a steal right there. I mean, mm-hmm. when you consider everything else too, and I think be freed even even you. I mean, just looking at your team right now, it's you got some solid guys on your bench. I mean, scary Terry on your bench. Najee, who's kind of, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of him week yeah, by I'm week. I'm still debating week. on who to put in this week. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see you got Algier in there. I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot, mm-hmm. especially when you think, you know, they're playing the Cardinals, who haven't been as strong defensively as we thought. And then, yeah, your two wide receivers, the two Cardinals guys, Hollywood and D-Hop, man, they could, they could uh, definitely make a difference for you, but... Trace McSorley, man, he he could be. Is he I the know, guy this week? Or I know. Is it, be, it also depends is gonna, on who's quarterback. <laughs> it's going to be Cole McCoy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, and too, I'll see a quarterback wide receiver stack here, also on that bench: Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones. You think about how much Zay Jones has been able to light it up this week. Uh, we think about Brandon's championship matchup so far. Uh, right now, uh, facing Jack Momud. Uh, this week, he decided to start Hassan Haskins uh, with no Derek Henry in the fold. And as a result of that, Jack leads uh, over Brandon Freed by 7.3 fantasy points. That's not bad. I mean, I don't think we expected Haskins to go crazy, you know, considering it, it was Josh Dobbs at quarterback for the Titans. But, I mean, even then, I think Hassan Haskins, what he have? Yeah, I mean, he had two catches as a part of that, too. So, um, that's a pretty good start. Be free, mm-hmm. I think that's a good start. I mean, his – Jack's team, when you think about it, I, I think his weak spots could be Darius Slayton at, at wide receiver, two. I think, obviously, Haskins. And then um, maybe even James Conner. I mean, he's projected almost 20 points, but that seems a little high, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brandon, as you're now looking at the matchup, thoughts about now going into Sunday, as we're going to know after the Sunday night game whether or not you're putting up the crown. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm looking at my chances right now, for sure, but I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'll just leave it at that. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is the championship matchup between the two seed Brandon Free going up against the number four seed Jack Mobut in our league championship. Um, in colonized constellation matchup, we're playing for fifth place here. Um, that continues this week. Kyle got twenty one from CD Lamb. He got another nine from the Dallas defense. I did, and did not check his lineup because Tony Pollard was not playing. No, I did, I did not check my lineup. <laughs> I, I mean, also, I figured he was going to play just because yeah. I didn't hear anything about an injury report. But, hey, man, if I can pull out fifth place without one, one of my running backs here, that, that's pretty yes. good, man. That's pretty uh-huh. good. So On the flip uh, side of that, uh-huh. Ezekiel Elliott just got 9.7 fantasy points last night. Yeah, exactly. So he, he wasn't even that so, great. I, th- I think he scored yeah, a touchdown. Wasn't too, much- so. Yeah. So yeah, no. If if I can edge out a, a fifth place with you know, a third <laughs> down, I'll take it. I'll take fifth. <laughs> hey, yeah. At, at the end of the day, as as long as you don't get last, that's all it comes down to. And mm-hmm. I don't even know who's gonna. Is it Devin Watley? Um. Let's see. Let me look at the playoff bracket. 
Um, it, it probably right is. Now, that looks hey, like he's it. playing for last against uh, Daniel Guerrero. Daniel Guerrero, <laughs> our, our commissioner. <laughs> so I just I just saw Daniel Guerrero last week, and actually I didn't even bring up fantasy with him to be honest with you. But nah. yeah, no, it's a. Uh, <laughs> that's that's tough man especially when mm-hmm. you're the guy you're facing their tight end gets 24 yeah um tough tough when you're commission you get last and yeah you go yeah first pick but yeah you finish in last place possibly <laughs> i will say I, I am surprised that jack was able to get past the second round like he had an upset of his own um huh? who do you yeah hey oh, be jason. jason yeah jason Let's see. At, in that matchup, um, it was a it was a great tight end matchup there. You had TJ Hawkinson. Both sides had two touchdowns. TJ Hawkinson, 13 catches, 109 yards, two touchdowns. George Kittle, six for 120 and two touchdowns as well. James Conner, 25 points at that flex spot. Um yeah, and it just went down from the it just went down from there. But the biggest thing from Jason's team last week, you, you can talk about the three point three from Ramondre Stevenson with that fumble at the end. Oh yeah. Or you can go to the Detroit defense and special teams for minus ten points. Yeah, that's that's not good. You mm-hmm. don't want to see that. Um be free before we move on here. Let, let me ask you real quick. I mean, you talked about Jason's team fully auto draft, and he ends up twelve and two. Is that just like? <laughs> yes. Is that just like kind of ha- like how it goes in fantasy? Like I didn't know he auto drafted. That? That's yeah. No, he auto drafted. He auto drafted uh-huh. like pretty much his whole team. He joined in like round like twelve or something. Yeah, I feel like it. That's crazy. I mean, uh, wow. Yeah, he made twelve and two with the auto drafted team. That's right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He has arguably the top two wide receivers the whole year. Yeah, yeah. For sure. That's two of his first two picks for two: Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. I think he picked up Josh Fields, who really picked it up too. Oh, yeah, Justin Fields, sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. he'll be a really good quarterback next year. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some MLB. We're going to talk some free agency news. We're going to get to as you mentioned our hall of fame picks um we're in top um, we're also going to get into our top five down the line moments here on episode number 30 episode 81 of down the line What's up, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of Down the Line. This is episode number 81. We are recording this December 30th here. It's a Friday, a couple days before the new year. It is currently 10.30 a.m. on the West Coast. Back here with Brevin Honda and joined by 
our guy, Brandon Freed. We already got into recent sports news from the past week, some NFL Week 17 talk onto our fantasy struggles, at least me and Brevin, and, and B. Freed's success reaching the championship. We're going to see if he ends up winning this weekend. I know we've been uh, talking about our league and following that throughout the course of uh, the past few months here on the show, but now we're going to get into some MLB free agency here, and it's been a lot. It's, it's been a lot to follow throughout the past month or so, and we're going to keep that going here with some more Giants talk, not Carlos mm-hmm. Correa, because we all know what happened with that, but we're going to get into another player that they signed, Michael Conforto. They agreed, he and the Giants did, to a two-year, $36 million deal. And a little bit more depth for that team. And you yeah. figure that he will kind of be a starter there, maybe kind of rotational, but a pretty solid deal there for the Giants and Michael Conforto. Uh, Brevin, we'll start with you. What do you think? I guess is th- I guess this is what you get when you don't sign Aaron Judge. I guess this is what this <laughs> means. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but when you think about Michael Conforto, uh, he'll provide some – you know, let, uh, he'll provide that presence to the left side, uh, on that left side of that lineup, um, hitting from the left side, you know, be another outfield piece. Um, in addition to Mitch Haniger on top of already having Mike Yastrzemski. So, um, I like to see a lot. Um, but I guess that, that, I guess this is what you get when you don't sign Aaron Judge. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is what. I think this is what you get when Carlos Correa deal falls through. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but um, I don't know. I like Michael. I like Michael Conforto, but I don't think he's like the fixing piece for the Giants, and I don't know no. if he's worth eighteen million a year, in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's a little bit overpaid for him, but I like him. I think a two year like. $28 million deal is relative for him, but um, mm-hmm. I think it's a good deal for Michael Conforto, for sure. But, um, yeah, I think this is what happens when Carlos Correa deal falls through and you don't get <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's called inflation. Yeah. Called inflation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, another deal that the Giants were able to come to agreement with was with Taylor Rogers, the former Padre. Obviously, we were familiar with him and everything that he was able to do last season. He had a really good year. He agreed to a three-year, $33 million agreement with the Giants as well. So he looks to be their new closer. Yeah, he'll be fighting it out with Camilo Doval to see who will be getting saves um, mm-hmm. for Gabe Kapler next year. Um, you know, over 30 saves last year between the Padres and the Brewers. He gets to reunite with his brother, um, yeah, as well, who's with the Giants. So, a lot of fun. Also, last year was the Padres uh, were in San Francisco. We got to see his brother, and um, Taylor got to meet his nephew for the first time in San Francisco. And then huh. both Taylor and his brother, I think it's Tyler Rogers, I think it is. They both got to um, play against one another um, last year for the first time. So now we get to be on the same roster together. Yeah, yeah. A couple cool connections there. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely went into that decision with the Giants, you know, strategically. And it makes sense. So he's going to end up in the Bay Area. Another deal that happened on Friday was actually a trade. 
the Blue Jays <laughs> traded for catcher slash outfielder Dalton Varsho, uh, the former Diamondbacks player, and going to uh, now Arizona is catcher Gabriel Moreno and also outfielder Lourdes Gurriel. So um, you see the utility guy, Varsho, being sent up to Toronto, and now they get uh, the biggest piece here the Diamondbacks do in Lourdes Gurriel. Uh, Brevin, we'll start with you. What do you think? Yeah, I actually like this trade. You know, I think both sides have the opportunity to win here. You see Arizona get a little bit younger at that catching position. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Gabriel Moreno is going to have the opportunity to start. You know, he really didn't get that opportunity in Toronto with Alejandro Kirk. And then you had um, had another catcher as well that had the ability to start. And so Gabriel Moreno, one of the, I think he's a rookie or a side player. He'll he have the opportunity to start. And then you think about Lourdes Gurriel, um, he'll be able to provide that kind of like that, um, you know, even though he's kind of on that younger side as well, he'll still be able to get that yeah. young, that veteran uh, leadership type of a role um, to those younger players on that team alongside Catal Marte. Yeah, I think the Diamondbacks here, they, they got better as well. I mean, you already know who they have in the outfield. They got Corbin Carroll. They got Alec Thomas. They got Jake McCarthy as well if they want to kind of move him around. The utility guy, Patton Smith, too. So um, adding to the outfield here with Guriel is definitely a big deal. And I think you're right, Brevin. I think Gabriel Moreno, he kind of fits in at that starting catcher spot because Carson Kelly has not really been what they hoped in Arizona, but – be free to thoughts on this deal. I mean, you know, you got one of your NL West uh, yeah. rivals, if you will, kind of making a deal here. I mean, I think it's a great deal for Arizona. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't really like it for Toronto, in my opinion, because I mean, Dalton Varsho is a good player, but I don't think he's something that they necessarily need, in my yeah. opinion, because they already have Alejandro Kirk, who, who. May I think he was an all-star last year, or yep. he played mm-hmm. like an all-star last year. Yeah, so I don't know why. I mean, they're going to be using him for outfield because they already have Kirk. And he doesn't necessarily hit for average, but he hits for power. So I guess that's a bonus for Toronto. But right. I mean, I really like the deal for Arizona. Like, I think they won the trade for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, one more deal that happened on Friday was Kay Krimble. To the Phillies, they agreed on a one-year, $10 million deal. So you see them establish their bullpen a little more as they as they hope, obviously, to be a really big contender here for future years. And even next year, I, I think this is a big deal only for it being a year's is uh, a solid agreement here. What do you think, Brevin? Yeah, Craig Kimbrell is back in the National League East. Uh, obviously, was, came up in the with the Braves as well. And so he's back in – um, back in the National League East, he's with the Phillies now. It just, um, just to uh, enhance that bullpen behind Sir Anthony Dominguez and um, a couple of other pieces in that bullpen, Brad Hand as well. So, um, this was also Craig Kimbrough, who is not on the Dodgers postseason roster, which is, yeah, um, kind of, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was still trying to figure out why Philly made this move, but. Brandon, from yeah. the, as a Dodger fan, uh, what are your thoughts about Craig Kimbrell not being in the blue and white next year instead I'm of being totally in the red and white? With that. Goodbye, Craig. <laughs> Goodbye, Craig. You deserve to be on Philly. 
<laughs> um, he was just so bad last year. It was just yeah. really hard to watch. He was not a good closer at all. <laughs> uh, he's past it. I like Craig Krimble during his prime, but he's not in his prime anymore. I'm yeah. totally fine Philly taking him on. And goodbye, Craig. I wish you the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think a little surprising because, like, Getting ten million dollars, it seems like a lot for, like you said, Raymond, a guy who wasn't even pitching in the postseason. You expect that out of Craig Kimbrell, and you know, myself being an Angels fan, I would have thought, you know, maybe even the Angels would have made a run. I mean, they they already got a guy earlier this this uh, off season who is going to you know compete for that closing spot. But I would have thought any other team would have tried to get him. But I, I think you know Philadelphia, they kind of maybe paid a little extra to get him. So we'll see how it works out here, but. Yeah, Craig Kimbrell to the Phillies there. Uh, the next day, which was Tuesday of this week, we saw the Rangers go out and kind of, you know, spend a little bit more money to bolster that rotation that they have. We know that they got DeGrom as the big piece of uh, their five guys being a part of that rotation. And now they signed Nathan Ivaldi to a two-year $34 million deal and, I think a little bit of a risk due to Ivaldi's, you know, history with injury, and, and I, I think it's his elbow. But when he's on, he's on, and, and he'll definitely be able to provide some really solid innings and solid outings for the Rangers. What do you think, Brevin? Yeah, you know, with the value that he brings, it'll help just kind of round out that rotation. You know, we already know Jacob mm-hmm. DeGrom's there. We already know Martin Perez will continue to be in Texas after sending the qualifying offer. Um, you know, and that the rotation just continues to, you know, just be built. And then you see, uh, obviously, John Gray still there, so he'll be competing for number five spot as well. You know, after signing his long term contract last year, so um, it'd be interesting to see how the Rangers decide to have everyone within the rotation and who, unfortunately, will get bumped to the bullpen. Yeah, be free. What do you, what do you think of that Rangers? rotation now i mean they added baldy to i mean the the big fish which was Degrom here do you think that they're gonna have a much better year oh i definitely i definitely like what they're doing i think they're gonna have a much better year and <clears throat> it's nice to see that they're actually spending a lot of money now like they're getting mm-hmm. some players they're getting some depth in their team which is something that they've been lacking for a while especially with starting pitching so uh they're a lot better now and i like what they're doing and i think they're headed in a in the right direction for sure so next guy we're, we're going to talk about here was not a free agent signing. Uh, he was a part of a trade, obviously, with the A's. I think it was a three-team trade that we talked about a couple weeks ago. But Sean Murphy, the new Braves catcher, he was signed to a six-year deal worth $73 million. He also has a $15 million club option for 2029. That ups the deal to seven years for $88 million. And... The Braves have locked a lot of guys up for the long run here, and Sean Murphy pretty much adds to that list. He's got a lot of years ahead of him, and you see the Braves make a really big investment there. Be freed. What do you think about what the Braves are doing? I mean, signing all these guys to these long-term deals. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just trying to focus on what the team that they have now and just continue to roll with that team for the future, mm-hmm. hopefully get them you know, gelling and working well together. You know, build a special bond in that clubhouse, and I like what they're doing, but um, not necessarily sure it's going to work out in the long run. Maybe yeah. things happen to certain players. Like it's a very big risk to take, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. if it works out great, then 
it works out really well for them, but I don't know. It's a big risk to take, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think so, too. <laughs> and and Brevin, when, when they made this trade and when you consider, you know, the career that Sean Murphy has had to this point, you know, still young with some years ahead of him. He's only 28. Did you kind of see this coming where they were going to sign Sean Murphy to a, a longer term deal and extend him? Oh yeah, because it's a lot cheaper than what he would be once he becomes a free agent. That's true. You know, you know, and so I think that's why when you see the Braves go out and make the moves that have that are a lot shorter than what they probably could be once these players become free agents. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. when he signed his contract it was like eight for a hundred million dollars. It's like you yeah. know, we know Ronald Acuna Jr. is worth more than twelve and a half million per year, but that's how the Braves have been. Braves have been working, and you see that you know Austin Riley getting paid twenty one point two million per year. We see, um, you know, just go down the list. You know, Matt Olson eight for one sixty eight. Um, Ozzy Albie's just seven for thirty five million. Um, you know, and so the Braves just understand, you know, are trying to beat that trend of signing these players to big deals, and so they're they're the years to their advantage and shining uh, deals that are a little bit less. All right. And the final free agent signing we're going to talk that happened this week is going to Miami. Gene Segura, obviously the longtime Phillies uh, infielder. He was also with the Brewers, Mariners and Diamondbacks actually started out his career with the angels uh, in, in his mm-hmm. first year too, alongside with the Brewers. But, um, he is going to the Marlins. He will likely fill in a little bit at second base if Jazz Chisholm is, you know, injured, maybe even a little bit shortstop for Joey Wendell. But I think most likely he's going to be their third baseman. And we all know he's been a solid contact guy. We saw that on display during the postseason um, back in the fall. But he is signing a two-year $17 million deal with the Marlins. So they – kind of invests in a, another veteran here and they're trying to build that lineup a little bit more so that they can get um, a better record than, than what they kind of finished with last year. Brevin, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, this has been a Marlins team that's just trying to build and trying to, you know, kind of do that rebuild since they um, gave away, you know, names like John Carlos and Christian Yelich and, you know, that, that group in 2017. And so you think about, you know, those players that they traded for, they're now here in the big leagues, you know, four or five years mm-hmm. later. You know, you think about, um, you know, Jordan Groshans, for example. You think about, um, you know, the Marlins, they got Xavier Edwards, a former Padres prospect. Um, you think about, obviously, you got Josh Chisholm there. Um, and so getting a piece like Gene Segura, he'll provide that veteran piece that um, – you know, kind of like the way that Jesus Aguilar brought to that team over the last couple of years. Yeah. And so, um, especially to that end field. And then you got, obviously, in the, you know, in addition to Joey Wendell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on here to one piece of Padres news that we're going to get into. Uh, former Padres outfitter Will Myers, he ended up signing a one-year deal with the Cincinnati Reds last week. He actually bought a half-page ad in Friday's issue of the San Diego Union Tribune to say thank you to San Diego. Um, he was there eight years, and 
Uh, he just pretty much took a, a half page out of that issue to thank the city for making his eight years meaningful in San Diego and uh, for the support throughout the years. Uh, B. Freed, we'll start with you. How weird is it going to be to not see Will Myers with the Padres next year? Yeah, I didn't realize that he was a Padre for eight years. Like that's yeah, I didn't realize it was that uh-huh. long. Like that's actually crazy because you know, I remember we first started out in the Rays, and then I yeah, I didn't realize he was on the Padres for eight years. So that's actually crazy that he was on the team, one of the longest on the team. So yeah, it is going to be different. And now he's joining um a drained Cincinnati team. Yeah, uh, uh, that's crazy. But you know, best wishes to Will Myers. He's a true Padre. Uh, I know fans will always love him, so mm-hmm. you know, great for him. Yeah, I mean, Brevin, you're you're a Padres fan, obviously. What is what does that kind of mean to you when he goes out of his way to do that? I mean, we all know how much he loves San Diego, but to do something like that, it's a little, it's something a little extra, you know, kind of a cherry on top, you know, just to say thank you. Yeah, it's something that you know. This is one of those things where Will Myers didn't have to do this, but you know, when you're someone that you know, from a GM perspective that, you know, when the Padres kind of tore down that team in 2016, 2017, the AJ Preller figured out who to build around uh, from that roster. And that was Will Myers. And when you think about Will Myers being through it all in 2016, 2017, 2018, USC, um, you know, the uproar of when you sign an Eric Hosmer, sign a Manny Machado, see, um, you know, a glimpse of of a of an MVP caliber player in Fernando Tatis Jr. You guys see the beginning of Juan Soto in San Diego. You know, it says a lot about you know just just being a presence there, and then being mm-hmm. able to over those eight years provide a leadership aspect, not just for his teammates but for the city. It says a lot for uh, what Will Myers. Then we saw you know after the Padres beat the Dodgers, he um, I don't know if you knew this, Brandon, but he went to the bar with his wife and got everyone a round of drinks too. <laughs> <laughs> he deserved it. It's okay. Uh-huh. Good job, Will. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely, definitely a really cool thing to do. Yeah, no, you can tell that guy loves San Diego, and I think whenever whenever he comes back, if, you know, wh- whether he whether he mm-hmm. lives there in the future, or whether he's visiting, he's he's going to have Padres fans by him around as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, in his letter. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Brandon. I think he'll end his career, Padre. He's got to. Yeah. I think it'll happen. In his letter, um, Will concluded by saying, I'll be looking forward to seeing you in May. So when the Reds come to town uh, in May. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely definitely a cool thing for him to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on here to fair or foul. And this is our second to last segment here of the show. We are going to get into our Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. So we're going to vote like a BBWAA member. We're going to choose up to 10 names here um, for our 2023 Hall of Fame ballots. And we have a couple names here that are facing their last year of eligibility. Um, Actually, just one, uh, that being Jeff Mm -hmm. Um, Kent. But we got a guy in his ninth year or two, Gary Sheffield. Um, a bunch of different names to choose from. And then also we have a plethora of new names here joining us. A couple more interesting than others. Um, 
So we're going to get into that right now. Uh, Brevin, do you kind of want to kick us off with who you got? Yeah, so right now I've got six on my ballot. Um, mm. I've got no Manny Ramirez. I've got no Alex Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> you know, being failing drug tests, being suspended, um, you know, as we saw from Bonds and Clemens, you know, in years past, you know, you know, and seeing the writers didn't uh, vote them in despite all the stats that they brought. I don't think the, you know, I don't think it'll be the same for a Ron and Manny Ramirez. So I've got, right. so with that, um, I've got Andrew Jones, mm. one of the best center fielders to play this game, probably one of the best center fielders since Billy Mays, as a lot of people, uh, people say. Um, I also got on this ballot, I got Gary Sheffield, one of yeah. the few players uh, to not um, be within the PED, scan- uh, PED scandal, but still hit over 500 home runs. Yeah. Um, number three, I've got Scott Rowland, um, one of 10 third basemen with at least 74. The other nine players are in the Hall of Fame or on track to being Cooperstown, that one being Adrian Beltre. Um, number four, I got Jeff Kent, 377 homers, one of the uh, that is the most home runs by a second baseman all time. Uh, yeah. Also has an MVP under his belt as well. Um, also got Todd Helton. Um, he's got a, you know, as we saw in 2020 with Larry Walker get in, um, kind of paved the way for Rockies players who played at Coors Field, get that opportunity to get in. And when you yeah. think about Todd Helton, as much as he was good at home, he also was good at on the road. He had an on-base plus slugging percentage of 855, which is higher than at least six Hall of Famers. Uh, that includes Dave Winfield, Eddie Murray, Ricky Anderson, Tony Gwynn, <clears throat> Al Kaline, and George Brett. Um, and then number six, uh, final one for me. Um, I got Bobby Abreu here. Over a 64. Like um, let me make sure, yeah. 60 war um, throughout his career. Um, so, yeah, that's my six-player ballot. So, Brevin voting a bunch of returners here, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, no no new names here making their no ones. ballot debut uh, in 2023. Mm-hmm. I was close on Carlos Beltran, but I want to see uh, maybe next year. Um, I was close on K-Rod. Yeah, uh, Francisco Rodriguez, and then and as well as Billy Wagner, and I was close on Jimmy Rollins, but cannot quite get the nod. Yeah, right, right. I I respect that. I respect that. Yeah, and I, I think those guys will definitely receive at least five percent, and you know, keep their name on the ballot too. Um, those two names that you mentioned, I think those two names are for sure the favorites to stay on the ballots too. I mean, the other names mm-hmm. you have making their first year debut. For context, Bronson Arroyo, Beltron, like you said, Matt Cain, Ari Dickey, Jacoby Ellsbury, of all people, uh, Andre Ethier, who I, I know B. Freed loves. Former Dodger, yep. Yeah. I love Andre Ethier. <laughs> J.J. Hardy, John Lackey, Mike Napoli, Johnny Peralta, K-Rod, like you mentioned. Nice. Houston Former Street. Angels. Yeah, Houston Street, Angels legend. Uh, Jared Weaver, and then also Jason Worth. So those those are the first names on there. 
I will go ahead and give you some names who I would vote in, and then B. Freed will go with you, um, see if you got any. Um, I'm pretty much agreeing with you on a lot of your names, Brevin. Scott Rowland, I think, will for sure uh, get elected this year. If not this year, then next, I think, for sure. I think he's gained momentum these past couple seasons, um, past couple years that they've been going through this voting process. So. I got Scott Rowland. I got Todd Helton as well. I think those two are very worthy of getting in. Obviously, they had um, increases last year on the ballot, and so I think that's we're going to see that again. I think they're worthy of getting in, too. I think, you know, Andrew Jones and Gary Sheffield, I think those should be guys that are deserving of getting in. I think Gary Sheffield, you know, to be entering his ninth year with, you know, just a little bit over 40% of the vote, I think it's a little low for him. Um I'm, I'm agreeing with you, too, on Jeff Kent, too, uh, Brevin. I, I think, you know, he, he's a guy that's worthy of getting in. He's in his final year of eligibility, and he only had uh, just over 32% of the vote last year. And I mean, you, you read all of his totals already and the career that he's had. Um, I think it could be, you know, one of those guys where, you know, we, we don't really know if he's going to get in. We don't know if he's going to get the support, but um, I think he has the resume to get in for sure. And then yeah, when you consider uh, the names, the newcomer names, I would vote Beltron and, and K-Rod in, to be honest with you. I think they had really good years, and I don't think they're going to gain the traction that you know a lot of these returners would have, but I think they're going to remain on the ballot, and so um, there's surely going to be a couple voters that give them their credit. I think one of these names on here that is kind of interesting in terms of the newcomers is R.A. Dickey, uh, Cy Young winner. <laughs> Gold Glove winner. He was a one-time All Star, but he 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 did win. He did win a Cy Young. So I mean, hey, you never know what could happen. I mean, the old guy. Um, You're a wonder. Yeah, yeah, he he really was. So I mean, um, he he strung together a couple years, and I I don't think he's ultimately going to get voted in, of course. But um, I think he could maybe even receive up to five percent. I don't know if he will, but when you consider a lot of these other names. I don't know. He, he, he could be up there. I think Matt Kane too. Uh, maybe even John Lackey. Maybe Jared Weaver. I don't know. Um, but I, I think, you know, Brevin, you know, we kind of touched on that already. Carl Spaltron and K-Rod, they're, they're definitely going to be back on this ballot and wouldn't be surprised if they get in in the future. So those are the names I would vote in. I'm pretty much, in a, you know, agreeing with Brevin on, on a lot of the return names. I would vote in Beltron and K-Rod too, but be free. Who who would you who would you kind of take here? Um, well, I agree with a lot of you guys or both of you on the returners: Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield. Mm-hmm. I really do like Jeff Ken. I think he gets in there as well. <clears throat> but I I like Jimmy Rollins. I think he'll yeah. Um, uh, I think he'll get in there as well. But I like two new two newbies. Yeah. So I gotta go with my guy Andre E. There. <laughs> I like him, and uh, I like Carlos Beltran as well. I think he gets in there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, kind of, kind of my my personal bias wants to see Jared Weaver in there too a little bit. I mean, he he had a few good years, but uh, yeah, that, that'll that'll definitely be interesting to see if he gets five percent, or I mean, even any of these newer guys too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what the voters kind of decide on. I think we will have an idea of, yeah, we're going to get results. I think January 
23rd or something like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming up here very quickly. And Bobby Abreu, I mean, you, you said it, Brevin, he could be one of those guys who um, ends up here on, on, on the, uh, on the ballot with a little bit of a higher total too. He played mm -hmm. 18 years with six teams and uh, he's a gold glover. He's a silver slugger award winner. He was a two-time all-star and, yeah, I think he's one of those guys who could kind of creep up there too. I think Jimmy Rollins too. I mean, like mm -hmm. you said, be freed. I mean, he's a guy who um, has seen that increase in his second year, and we can see it in his third. Yeah, it'd be interesting for a player like Carlos Beltran, especially with the electronic science stealing scandal with the Astros yeah. in 2017. <laughs> Because what that also did is you saw once that came out, he wasn't able to keep his managerial role with the Mets. So, you know, I think the next thing comes, will he be able to be in the Hall? Will the, the writers be able to vote him into the Hall of Fame? I think that's the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think with his career, he definitely deserves it. Is like, I think mm -hmm. that's the only thing that's like holding him back because I don't know yeah. if the Hall of Fame wants that type of like I guess energy bring Brock, Brock, brought to the committee. So, I think that's the only thing that's like holding him back, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get into our top five moments of the year here of our podcast down the line. Uh, kind of had to think about this a little bit, and we're just gonna kind of quickly go over it. But Brevin, you want you want to start it off? You want to go first? Yeah, we'll go back and forth here, Kyle. Okay, um. One moment for me, we're going to go all the way to January. We're going to do Kyle's bold predictions that he picked. <laughs> I went back and listened to it. This was episode number 30. Okay. This went up January 14th. Kyle's two bold predictions that he had. The Warriors are winning the finals, which happened. Okay. And the other one. <laughs> I remember that. The other one. Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson will be in Denver. <laughs> two for two. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. How about that? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll I'll take that all day. Uh, yes. I, I I think I think a lot of Broncos fans saw that coming, so I'm not I'm not as surprised about the second <laughs> one. But yeah, that first one that first one I'm, I can be pretty proud of. Um, yes. For me, for me, number days five. after. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, number five, I would say would be episode fifty-four. That was our one-year anniversary show with Devin yeah. Watley, mm -hmm. and I think for me that was one of my favorite moments, just because we had Devin Watley on. You I mean obviously we were able to talk about a lot going on with him and his career, but we were also able to kind of reflect on what's going on right now. Uh, you know, it was I think was that beginning of july when that happened almost uh, you know end of end of uh june and we were able to get into you know end of the nba season able to talk some baseball and i think also that was a good moment because we were able to really reflect on our one year doing the show so yeah. that was mm -hmm. that was number five for me mm -hmm. let's see it number four kind of i picked like five of these so i'm just trying to figure out which <laughs> number four um number four I think it's when um, we talked about when the Angels brawl happened. 
knowing how that was kind of like a climax yeah. of the angels here knowing what happened before that what happened after that you know being in first place losing 14 in a row firing joe madden you know but then you still see shohei otani still be shohei otani i think mm -hmm. that brawl you know and the events leading up to that and just the way we talked about how we set that stage um falls on this list i remember back then be freed i don't know if you remember the brawl that happened the angels and mariners when that whole thing happened when uh anthony rodone came out of the, <laughs> the dugout and he had he had like the, the had cast, like cast on the arm on hand, and he could, like <laughs> use his leg and like try to punch jesse winker and then no i don't uh, remember Oh really? You you gotta look it up. It's it's so yeah. funny because then after the brawl happened with the murder, it was Jesse Winker who pretty much leading the charge, and <laughs> the Angels pretty much just threw at him. Uh, Rice Iglesias coming out of the dugout and getting the tub right. of of bubble gum <laughs> and just throwing it on the field. <laughs> that was. Then that why was, am I being ejected? That was so funny. Um, um, just because that was just like, what just happened? I've never seen this team do that before. <laughs> um, and I remember at the time we talked about it, and I, I said, I, I, I thought I was gonna give the team a huge spark for the rest of the season. I'm like, okay. The winning, the losing streak is done. Yeah, like, that too. This is this is, is, is going to be <laughs> for the Angels. This is what they need. Complete opposite. I mean, the losing streak kept, you know, yeah, kept that's how it went for the Mariners. And, and yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But for me, number four for me is episode thirty-four. I think that was a really good show. Uh, that was with Christian Alvarez. That was mm -hmm. in the middle of the MLB lockout. Not only did we talk that, we talked Winter Olympics. We talked NBA trade deadline. Yep. Uh, we got into our uh, NBA All Star mock there. draft. We had UFC yeah. 291 mm -hmm. going on. I mean, there was just so much happening then. And yeah. I really enjoyed that one because that was for sure, you know, kind of one of the longer episodes that we've done, but uh, so much weight to it. And I think always talking the lockout was. It, it's weird to think about now because I think a lot of people forgot about it already. So mm -hmm. that's number four for me. Let's see. All right, number three. Let me make sure if I get that right. Um, number four for me is uh, when uh, we had Reese Savoy on our show. This was back <laughs> in May. And uh, we did a fair foul segment talking current Hall of Famers yeah. um, on the baseball field. I think there's these segments that we do that, you know, we get to take advantage of what's going on in sports and when you're able to talk about current hall of famers and then kind of project it out you know in the next six to 20 years it um you know being able to pick that and then for us you know going down entire list from mike Trout on down mm -hmm. that's that was up there yeah for sure for sure uh for me i think number three is our episode 76 that was our MLB free agent predictions, uh, mm -hmm. and, and you know that Thanksgiving theme. That that was definitely a fun one too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, before we get into Kyle and I's top two, we're going to say goodbye to Brandon. Uh, we thank him for coming on our show. So thank you, Brandon. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's good to be free, guys. Been a mm -hmm. while, so glad to be here. It has. Uh, B. Freed is the man. Uh, we will definitely 
keep in contact with you, man. And uh, best of luck in the fantasy championship. We'll talk about <laughs> it next week. So yes, uh, we will be keeping you guys updated on what happens. But yeah, thanks again, be free. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, <laughs> see you later. We'll see you, Brandon. All right. Oh, let's get into our final two that we've got here. For me, um, you know, you mentioned when we had Devin on. Also yeah. within that episode, Kyle, we did a starting rotation type of a little mini mock draft. Mm-hmm. Trying to pick the 15 best pitchers in Major League Baseball. And that was hands down drafts that we've done i mean we've done it we've only done a couple but i mean that's how good starting pitching is in major league baseball mm-hmm. i mean devin had sandy alcantara nl cy young sammy clanahan al all-star starter you darvish and then he also had martin perez i can't remember who his fifth player pitcher was um yeah kyle had garrett cole corbin burns tony gonsolin max freed aaron nolan <laughs> And then I had Justin Verlander, Joe Musgrove, Alec Manoa, Logan Gilbert, and Shohei Otani. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty tall list right there, man. That's mm-hmm. all you can ask for. It is. Um, mm-hmm. I think number two for me is uh, episode 59. And that is when we did our MLB trade predictions before the deadline. Mm-hmm. I love doing that kind of stuff. And. For me, I, I think we were, you know, thinking about what could happen and, you know, leading up to August 2nd, it, it was crazy. And I think we got a couple right, too, you know, thinking back, um, going back to that. That was uh, for sure a fun episode just, you know, to kind of get our brains jogging and think about who's going to end up where and then also to see it all pan out on the mm-hmm. 2nd and then after that, our next episode kind of break it down. That was crazy, you know, when we had mm-hmm. Jesus Cano on during that next episode. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of talk about all of that. That was for sure an experience. Mm-hmm. That other pitcher uh, that Devin had was Nasty Nestor, Nestor Cortez, mm-hmm. uh, within that draft. All right. Top moment of down the line. I think it's just all of our guests that we've had this year. Yeah. Um, some of those that we've been able to reconnect with some of those that we got to meet for the first time. Um, someone in a face-to-face setting here on, as we're recording this via Zoom. Um, you know, and we get to hear about, you know, their stories, what they're doing now, you know, especially those that we've been able to work with the, the Daily Aztec, especially now. Yeah. I think that um, is probably my top moment. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just having everyone back on here and kind of reconnecting mm-hmm. is, and that, that's what makes it great. I mean, everyone being so willing to come on here for an yeah. hour, maybe even a little bit longer than that is, is great. It's great to have everyone back and just hearing their takes too, because it, it's funny to see, we, we, we would always, you know, when we were working together, we would always kind of uh, talk about this kind of stuff in the newsroom, you know, give more hot takes and, Yep. Uh, have, have these certain discussions on, on certain different aspects of sports. And yeah, you know, that's, that's a part of, you know, adulting and kind of moving away from that. And, you know, COVID at the same time, kind of taking that away from us for like a year and a half, we were never able to really experience that again. 
but to have everyone back on here and, and kind of talk, talk that kind of thing over, it, it's great. It's great to have everyone back here. And um, I, I love that as your number one, Brevin. So I just kind of uh-huh. wanted to say something on that. Um, for me, I, I think my favorite episode, my favorite moment was probably episode 63. That was at the end of August, near, near the tail end of that. Uh, we got into the 2023 MLB schedule release. We talked some MLB umpires and, you know, all the controversy that was surrounding them during that time. You know, robot umpires, you know, what, what could happen in the future. Um, we also got into the Fernando Tati suspension. Mm-hmm. We got into the Angels uh, selling the team. We got into fantasy football, you know, kind of previewing mm-hmm. the season there. And that was a really long episode. That was about an hour, 22 minutes. But we got into that with Daniel Guerrero. And I just remember, you know, kind of talking about all the baseball-related aspects with him. And obviously, he's so knowledgeable about baseball. You know, he covers the Cardinals, as we went over in that episode. And um, the perspective that he brought was great. And I think we had a really good discussion during that episode. And we just talked about so many different aspects, you know, of sports. And that was a, that was a really enjoyable one for me. I think that, you know, I learned a lot from that episode, you know, just based on, you know, the ideas that we were bouncing off each other and just kind of going over everything. I mean, I mean, it comes back to what you said, Brevin, at the end of the day, the guests that are able to kind of provide more insight on things that we didn't think about or different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what makes us great. That's why we love doing this, I think for mm-hmm. sure. So um, that episode is definitely up there for me. And it's hard to choose, you know, a top five moment, you know, one through five, but that that's my list right there. I think that yeah. we, mm-hmm. we put together some really good moments. We did. Uh-huh. Especially, you know, you could also say, you know, if we had to pick another top five, we'd be here for another year trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, man, I mean, it was a great year. It was a great year. Our first mm-hmm. full year of doing yes. this full calendar mm-hmm. year, I should say. Yeah. And we were able to kind of break that down, put it into some thoughts, and hopefully next year we get a lot of good moments too. I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. it. Yep. All right. So with that, that's going to do it for this episode here of Down the Line. We thank Brandon for joining us here this week. Um, for Kyle Betts, I'm Brevin Honda. We thank you for listening to this week's episode, and we hope you tune in in the new year.